0: to its time on CSN International. The Daily Teaching Ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to senior pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor
1: Mike. You know, the Word of God always will give you exactly straight what you need in your life. Here he tells us again that Jesus wore himself out insomuch that his family thought he was going crazy because he just continued to give and to give and to give. Friends, listen, that's the kind of God we serve. And I would invite you that you never weigh God down by your prayers. And so never feel guilty about asking God for what you need. Or praying and saying, Lord, align my will with yours so that I will be about your business. Because really, friends, when it comes right down to it, only God's business is what's going to matter in eternity. That's really the truth. We can all be about our own thing. But you know what? It isn't going to mean anything. Again, when you drive by these these uh, mortuaries and cemeteries and memorial parks, and you see all these tombstones out there. I wonder how much of the stuff that they were so worried about when they were walking this earth matters now, or the things that they did for God. Those things are going on in eternity. Those things are all things, friends, we have to think about. So he tells us here that uh, that he, they thought he was literally out of his mind because he was, he was um, just giving and giving and giving. Moms and dads, I know how sometimes that must feel. With you, with your kids. Again, uh, to give and to give and to give. Uh, You do your best. Now, honey, be sure to check the oil in the lawnmower before you mow the lawn. And they don't. And then there's big holes in the sides of the lawnmower motor. You know. You know, be sure to, you know, shut the water off. If you don't, it'll flood the basement. They don't shut the water off. Floods the basement. And you give and you give. And the frustration sometimes, friends, listen. I know. And I would just invite you again to remember this, that in sometimes our failures in serving God, God continues to give and to minister to us. Now, verse 22, in the midst of Jesus giving, now I I said all that to say this, in the midst of giving, there's always critical people. There always is. There's always those that in the midst of everything you try to do, there are those that want to condemn you. Notice this, verse 22. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said, He has Beelzebub. By the ruler of the demons, he casts out demons. Beelzebub was literally Lord of the Flies. (laughs) That's a pretty low life comment to make. Here Jesus is pouring himself out, giving to the point where everybody thinks he's crazy. And the Pharisees, the religious folk of the day, come down. And condemn Jesus saying, well, the only reason he's able to do all these things is because of the devil's power. Friends, I'll tell you something. Gotta hurt. You know, when you do your best and and, and you're trying to do it. And in the midst of doing all those things, there's always those going. "Ah, And there's always those that criticize friends. Listen, they did it to Jesus. They're going to do it to you. And friends, there's just no way around it. I wish there's somehow we could we could erase this, but it's true. The reason why, again, is because you establish a standard of giving. And when they think themselves to be of somewhat, and then they see the real thing, they know that they're not what they're supposed to be. And the only way that they can really deal with it is then attack you. That's the way they work. And this is exactly what happened. Now, I think if... If Jesus would have just came down off the mountain and his face was showing with the glory of God and then the Pharisees came, well, yeah, I understand it. But Jesus here is giving. He's exhausted. He's tired. And the Pharisees come and says, the reason why you do all these things is because you're of the devil. Do you think that's any different today? Do you think they don't do this to ministers? They don't do it to you? Well, listen, of course they do. And so he says they do this by the demons. He casts out the demons. So he called them to him. And said to them in parables. Now this is interesting. Jesus said, hey you, come here. (laughs) I like this. Jesus, though loving, didn't let him get away with it. And I like that. Notice what he says. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, the kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven of the sons of men, whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but subject to eternal condemnation." Because they said, he has an unclean spirit. Friends, they were attributing what Jesus was doing to the devil. They were discounting the power of God and saying it didn't exist. It only existed because of the devil. You know, a lot of people wonder, what is the unpardonable sin? It is rejection of the power of God and who Jesus Christ is. Again, Jesus came setting people free of demons. See, there was no uh, question whether Jesus was setting people free from the power of the devil. Do you not think this world is under the power of the devil? Have you watched your news lately? Have you seen these crazy things that go on? Have you seen some of the people you work with? You wonder if the devil is real. There's a lot of people that say, well, I don't know if there's a God, but I sure know there's a devil. Well, I want to tell you something. There's a reason why. People have seen and can sense this ugly side of life, friends. And there's only one antidote for it, and that's Christ Jesus. And the Pharisees came along saying, well, the reason why he has power over the devil is because he's the devil. And then Jesus used what we might call simple logic, saying, look, if I'm the devil and I'm destroying the devil's work, that house is not going to stand. Again, friends, we understand something here. There are two kingdoms at work in this planet. We have the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And these two don't mix. And it's interesting to me, many people think, well, because I'm an uncommitted delegate. You know, they think they're like somehow an independent. They're not a Republican or a Democrat. I'm an independent. I'm not saved. And so therefore, the devil's. you know, I haven't joined some Wicca group or I'm not some Satanist or something. So, you know, I'm not on the devil's side and I'm not a Christian. I'm an independent. Jesus said this. He said, you're either for me or against me. There's nobody that's in between. And if you're not for Christ, even though you're not maybe in a Wiccan group or some satanic group, you are part of the world and part of the devil's process. Now, again, as you would look at this, you understand that, again, when we become born again, the Bible says we pass from death unto life. Now, um, dead is dead. I don't know if you ever noticed this. But dead is dead. If it's dead, it don't matter whether it's been dead a week, a year, or five years. And sometimes when you're out driving along the freeway, you see things that are dead along the road. And they didn't come out there to sleep along the freeway. They're, they're there because they're dead. Cause something set them and squished them. And, and, and you look at it and you go, hmm, I wonder if that's been dead a week. or It doesn't make any difference. You're not going to eat it anyway. I've seen roadkill books, but I still, that doesn't intrigue me. But you're driving along and you say, Whoa, that thing is dead. I'm glad that's not me. We're driving along. And we say, But dead is dead. The Bible said we pass from death unto life. Friends, it doesn't matter whether you've been on this planet for 15 years and you're dead or you've been on this planet for 60 years and you're dead. Dead is dead. And the Bible says we pass from death unto life when we accept Christ as our Savior. That is something that the Holy Spirit directly does as we call upon Him. But to say, Well, Thank you, but no thank you. I don't need that. I don't even believe any of that, is, uh, that even exists. To attribute the goodness and the power of God to nothingness or to the devil, friends, notice, he says, because they said he has an unclean spirit. He, they were attributing the things of God to the devil. Friends, I, I, again, that's the sin that God doesn't forgive. Because God can't forgive that because they will not acknowledge God. Just imagine any sin that a person will ever commit. Notice, I, I like this, what he says here. He says, "Surely I say to you, all sins will be forgiven, the sons of men, whatever blasphemies they utter, no matter what you say. Now, some of us sometimes can have little potty mouths, can't we? Now, most of us don't usually do that, but you get some people mad enough they say things they wish they wouldn't have said. You know, you hit your thumb with a hammer, or, or something doesn't work right, or, or whatever, and, and we can say things that we're sorry for. You know, the Bible says God will forgive us for that. But you know, when you attribute the power of God to the devil, and you don't repent from that, friends, there is nothing that God can do, you're going to die in your sins. Now, verse 31's kind of interesting here. Then his mother, Then his brothers and mother came to him standing outside, and they sent to him calling him. Now, I believe probably the reason they were calling to him is because, again, they were worried about him because as we look back in uh, verses 20 and 21 concerning him, uh, they didn't even have time to eat. They were calling for him to try to get him to, to come away for a while. Now, again, this kind of tells me the rapid session of, of what was going on in his life. He's ministering. He's under attack by people that, that are, so, so to speak, religious people. Religious people, by the way, friends, can be the most nasty people in the world. You know that? I've seen that. My my dad always said something kind of interesting. He said, religion apart from Christ is cruel. I believe that. Because unless God has really filled your heart with with His love, friends, there's always something wrong with anybody that does more than you do. And that's the thing we always have to be careful of. And that's hypocrisy. And that's a dangerous thing. But you know what? When you do what God's called you to do, you're not only going to be blessed, but those around you are going to be blessed. But there's a giving. There's a sacrifice that's required in that. Well... Jesus' family saw this. And so we find in verse 31, his brothers and his mother came to him standing outside and they sent to him calling him. And the multitude was sitting around him and they said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them saying, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Now this is uh, interesting here because um, somebody initially listening might say, uh-oh, Jesus is really losing it now. He, he doesn't know who his mother and brothers are anymore. And yes, Jesus did have brothers. Um, this might kind of go against uh, the uh, perpetual virginity of Mary, but but uh, that is not what we find taught in the scriptures here or other places. Uh, that Jesus, in fact, did have brothers. And uh, uh, Jesus um, is saying, "Who is my mother? And who are my brothers?" Friends, notice what he says. And he looked at them around in the circle, who those that sat about him, and said, "Here is my mother, and here are my brothers." Whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister and my mother. Jesus is saying, listen, you want to be part of my family? Be about my father's business. Do you know why Jesus could say that? Because when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven, which makes us brothers and sisters in Christ. I think that's kind of neat, that God's purpose for our lives is first of all to unite us, not separate us, Second of all, to realize that God will forgive whatever it is that we've ever done, except for, for attributing uh, the things of God to the devil or of, of non-existence. And again, when you trample the cross underfoot and you die in that condition, friends, there's nothing that can be said or done for you. There, there's no further... I mean, once you've rejected the only means of salvation, there's not any other saviors out there. And once you've rejected the only means by which we can be saved... There is no other salvation except from the name of Christ. And so, uh, understanding that God's family is, is, is about His business. Friends, understanding that as you do what God calls you to do, that you're going to come under attack. But you know what? This is why we have, again, I think a time on Sunday morning of reading God's Word and rallying together and encouraging one another and blessing one another. And you know what? I, I think that the Bible and fellowship and worshiping God is so important. I think us fellowshipping one together is really important. I think the donut table is really important. Now, you may not like donuts, and maybe you don't need the extra pounds, but I certainly would invite you afterwards to go over and meet new Christians that you're going to spend eternity with and how together we may be able to encourage one another in the family of God. Friends, listen. You're not saved and all alone. You are saved with people around you who want to encourage you and bless you and heal you And friends, I'll tell you, we need each other. Jesus here said that. Who are my brothers and who is my uh, uh, mother and sister? Those that do the will of God. Friends, you're not without a family. You say, but Mike, you don't understand how dysfunctional my home really was. I I mean, we were, you know, it was scary. Listen, God's given you a new family. Now you might say, well, Mike, I, I, I've been around some of the people in church and some of them are weird. <laughs> I know. But you know what? To somebody else, that person may not be weird. When we see somebody in a similar situation, we understand, or at least we think we understand, what that person goes through. And friends, what I, I want to share with you is this. God has a way of causing us to be with people that experience what we experience to encourage them. Friends, sometimes we say, well, God, if you love me, why didn't you heal me? God, if you really love me, why didn't I win the lottery? God, if you really love me, why, why, why? And God says, so you remember why you're here. And friends, as I look at this, And I see that in the midst of Jesus ministering to people, there were always going to be critical people that would try to condemn what he does, trying to find fault with him, friends, thereby they could discount the message that he brings. Notice it did not stop Jesus from doing what God his Father had called him to do. Now, I want to encourage you in the same way this morning. Don't let somebody else's criticism of you stop you from what God has called you to do. There's always going to be those who are trying to take advantage, who are masquerading wolves in sheep's clothing. They're all the way through the Bible. And sometimes we'd like to just look at that and say, ah, they're all like that, I'm out of here, and leave. But you know what? Jesus didn't do that. In fact, even when they were driving spikes through his hands and through his feet, he said, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. And truly they did not know, for they had never crucified the Lord of glory had they known what they were doing. Friends, a lot of times people don't know what they're doing, and it's not until a Holy Ghost supernatural revelation in their life that they realize what and who God really is. And I would invite you and just encourage you today, don't give up, be patient with those who are sometimes obstinate. Maybe this morning as you would examine your own life, You would see that maybe you have been critical of things of God. And I would just invite you to let the Lord heal you and soften your heart. And once again realize that we're just servants of God. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We're not always going to do everything right. But I want to encourage you that the things you do right do make a difference in eternity. And even the things you do wrong, God is bigger than the things you've done wrong. Again, as we look at the disciples here, we see Simon, again, a zealot. They were for the radical overthrow of the Roman government. And Jesus had one of those on his on his team. We find a tax collector. Now, I oftentimes, I've shared this before, but I wonder at night. They didn't have television. They didn't have radio. They didn't have CD players and iPods and all that kind of stuff. And they're all sitting around the campfire. They would look at Matthew going, You're a tax collector. You work for the Roman government. I wonder about some of the campfire conversations concerning Matthew Levi and the zealot Simon. Now you've got to realize these guys were from two different opposite ends of the spectrum. You had Matthew, who was a Roman, he was a he was a, a Jewish person who was a tax collector from the Roman government, and you had Simon, who was a zealot for the overthrow of the Roman government. That ought to have made some interesting conversation. And yet Jesus still had them on his team. Friends, just because a person is different doesn't mean that God cannot change that person. Have you seen the changes God has done in your life? Well, sometimes we might say, no. Well, let me tell you something. You get around people that you once hung around with. They see the difference in your life. In fact, I've had people tell me they can't believe the difference of what... Uh, uh, in fact, I was just talking to a guy last week at uh, Durkee's Lake. And he said that his nephew had been coming here. And he said, I cannot believe the change in his life. Everything that was once in his life that was, that was wrong now is right. And, and I said, yeah, God's good. That's what God does. God changes us from the inside out. And so letting God be God, friends. Letting God change you. Letting God heal you. Letting God bless you. Put yourself in the place of God's blessing. But you might say, well, Mike, I'm not right with God. I'm still doing my own thing. The problem is you're trying to establish your life by the things that you do rather than the things that God wants to do in you. And there's only room for one Lord in your life. It's either going to be you or it's going to be God. And so when we repent, we accept Christ as our Savior, we repent from the things that we used to do to establish ourselves. We repent from the sin, and that's what sin is. Sin is missing the mark. And sin, by the way, friends, again, doesn't mean if you miss it by an inch or you miss it by a mile. Sin is sin. Dead is dead. Doesn't matter whether you've been dead a year or, you know, whatever. You know, again, God wants to do something new in your life. And so those old things pass away. God begins now to define our life. And the Bible says we we repent from the rejection of God in our life. Again, all sins will be forgiven, but you reject God in your life. That's the one sin God can't forgive. And you reject God, the only means by which we can be saved, the result of that's going to be judgment forever. And, And so the Bible, again, offers us, through Christ Jesus, salvation. And I'd invite you today, if you've never asked the Lord into your life, You say, I don't want, I don't want another 10 years like I just had. I got some good news for you. God can change your life. So we're going to pray right now. And if you'd like to, if you'd like to accept Christ as your Savior, you say, okay, I want this. I I, I want to, I want to have God work in my life. I want my life to mean something in eternity. Not just He with the most toys when He dies wins nothing. I want my life to mean something. We're going to pray. And, And you can pray and ask God to come in your life. And the Bible says if you're serious, he will come in and do a work. He'll do what you ask. And so that's what we're going to do right now. Now, again, God saves you from a life that means little apart from him. And then God saves you from hell and and from the punishment that you would endure because you rejected God. So you kind of are in a win-win situation here. God not only guides you and directs you through this life, oh yeah, there's trials and problems, but you know what? Worldly people have them too. And there's no one there to help them. God offers us His support through this life, and then throughout all of eternity, you'll be rewarded for blessing God and doing His will. And so if you want to come to Christ, we're going to pray. And you can ask the Lord into your life. This is not a ritualistic prayer. It's just an invitation to come to Jesus. And you can pray and ask God to do that in your life, and the Bible says He will. So let's pray. And if you'd like to pray and ask the Lord in your life, you pray this. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And His blood covered my sins. So from this day forward... I want to live for you. So come into my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. So I'll have the power to live for you each day. And Lord, write my name in your book of life so I can spend eternity with you. From this day forward, help me walk in your ways. And when I stumble and when I fall, Lord, pick me up so I can spend eternity with you. In Jesus' name. That's Pastor Mike Kessler
0: on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226, and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, it's time to grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time. For more, it's time.